right in front of him. Crowder looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show. I am Chris Manning. That is Brandon Clean. We have special guest Wes Goldberg from All You Can Heat from his awesome Substack from the Lockdown Heat podcast with us today. It is final pre-free agency thoughts. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us on your podcast platform of choice and hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fans YouTube channel. We have two news things we're going to hit today. One just broke about 15 minutes ago before we started recording. The second one is... Uh, I I choice to spend sixty million dollars on something, but I, well, let's Brendan, and then we're gonna make a case for different positional groups for different things, different things we feel about this free agency class. Brendan, though, we have to start with the fact that the Phoenix Suns, according to the Chris Haynes, are gonna meet with Kyrie Irving. This this actually isn't the most interesting thing to me, and, and if you guys read the full like news write up of that that he tweeted out, there's actually something more interesting to me in there about. Uh, it's something Jason Tatum kind of advocated for. People can go read that, check that out. It's going to be called the Harry Giles rule, which I think is very cool. And Tatum's getting credit for that. But Brendan, Kyrie Irving to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, what's up? <laughs> uh, nothing is up. Kyrie Irving is going to probably go to the Dallas Mavericks. And I guess he just has very few options that people would take seriously to use as leverage. I guess the whole Rockets thing that got leaked a while back and it, it just wasn't real enough, didn't feel possible enough. I don't know. And so he's moved on to, to different ways to pry more money from the Dallas Mavericks. But I don't exactly get the Suns one either, mostly because the Suns can offer him a grand total of like $3 million. So unless he's really serious about taking $3 million, or, uh, you know, really just thinks that the league is going to be tricked into thinking that there's a sign and trade for Aiton out there after the Mavericks offered, like, Tim Hardaway for DeAndre Ayton last week. I don't know what's happening here. Um, he just wants Mark Cuban to give him more money. That, that's the bottom line. I, I just can't imagine, like, the, 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 the hard capping of the Suns, if they were to pull this off, would just make... Their roster buildings are going to be hard. It would just make it even... I literally Parker. don't even think I don't, that I, it's possible. Like I, I don't even think that I don't even think that they're able to form a, a roster with what they would be hard capped at at that first apron of 172 million. I mean, it, I guess we I guess in this wild world where we're imagining Kyrie Irving takes these massive pay cuts, maybe he uh, he makes 15 million and everything works out beautifully for everybody. But again, if he's trying to get the most possible money then he's coming to the Suns on a huge price tag, maybe even more than Aiton's making, at which point I don't even think this is even allowed. So I don't know what the... I, 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 he just thinks we're dumb, I guess. Can I ask a question? Do we yeah. think that the Phoenix Suns even know about this meeting before Chris Haynes tweets it? Because we've seen star players use just random Team X as yeah. leverage. I think about like Jalen Brunson last summer being like, no, you know, we're, we really might go to the Miami Heat. And then the Miami Heat being like, yo, we don't have any cap space. We're not having this meeting. And Jalen Brunson like, no, no, we're going to definitely have a meeting and just trying to get more money out of the Knicks and the Heat. We have a we're, reservation for dinner. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I made this res reservation at Prime 112 for Saturday night. Like, what are we doing? And Pat Riley's like, I'm not going to be there, dude. So have fun. Um, I think some of that might be happening here. It's not, <laughs> to your guys' point, maybe not the best random team. Like, I understand, like, oh, yeah, the Phoenix Suns, they're the most desperate team for stars in the league right now. They love all the superstars. Why not, you know, cue them up on the meeting list? But because, like, what you're saying, Renan, like, there's, it's impossible for them to even do this unless Kyrie wants the minimum, which if he's putting it out there that he'd be signing for the minimum, that doesn't do a whole lot exactly in terms of leverage to get more money from Dallas. So bad example team by Kyrie in that camp. Uh, maybe maybe do something. But in that same report, there was um, the, uh, oh, and the Houston Rockets could potentially be an option. Now, there you go. That's a team with $59 million of cap space. That's a team that can offer him the, the whole max if they wanted to, uh, which I doubt that they would want to. But um, yeah, just weird, just weird stuff that we're seeing in the NBA, just teams using or, or players just using random teams, like unbeknownst to them as, as leverage plays. The, the only thing I can add to this is that this is just very funny. <laughs> this is just funny. This is all this is. This is not something I'm taking seriously. This is just like, get a leak, you put it out there, 
get some Twitter reactions out of it. And you check Kyrie's Instagram story for what weird stuff he's posted in the last 24 hours and, and you move on with your day. That's it. That, that's all we can, we can do here. Good Kyrie talk. Let's talk about Vooch. Yeah. Let's talk about more funny things. Laugh at the so, Chicago okay. Bulls a little bit. Uh, look, here, right before we got on, I was getting some, something we needed to record from our guy Jack McMullen from Just Basketball. He's a Bulls fan. And I asked him what he thought about Vooch. Um, and he said, terrible, thank you for asking, is how he, how he feels about it. And I can't blame him for this because, look, I understand the Bulls probably feel a certain sense of, like, cost spent on Vooch because of what they gave up and what those picks turned into now that it's gone. Like, I understand they want to have, like, a semblance of we're, we're competitive and we have Levine and DeRozan and, like, Vucevic is a name guy. And, like, even for him at his age, I don't think, like, this contract is the craziest thing in the world. Like, I, I don't I don't love it, but I, I kind of understand the, the money and the years. What I don't understand is why the Bulls are just, like, kind of comfortable seemingly kind of being in this zone where, like, yes, they almost did beat the Miami Heat, but, like, they were never going to beat the Heat and then, like, replicate what the Heat did to make the NBA Finals. That was never going to happen. They were going to get... They, they would probably have not beat the Milwaukee Bucks in round one, I would suspect. So I just don't understand... What they are, I kind of think this is the first one of the steps or kind of fruit of the validation that this is now like the wad, the new Washington Wizards. Like they are, they, they have taken the crown of the team that's just like spending lots of money for what reason and like are bad. I, I think that's now just the Bulls. The Bulls are new, are the new Wizards. And they have the overpriced guard to go with it, right? You know, they've got Zach Levine there. Um, I don't mind the Vucevic deal. Um, you know, $20 million is a little rich, but I also understand, you know, you don't really want to let that guy go away. I like You already have sort of the sunk cost in it already. Like, we already know that it was a terrible trade. Everybody knows it's a terrible trade. The Chicago Bulls know it was a terrible trade that they had with the Orlando Magic a couple years ago to get Nikola Vucevic. But there is something to say about, like, well, we're not going to let him walk away now because we want to try to maximize it. But I, again, I don't mind it as much as long as they try to split up Levine and DeRozan. Like if you, if for example, you're able to trade DeMar DeRozan to a team that can use him, and then you're able to kind of tilt the offense a little bit more towards Zach Levine, who's younger, give him a chance to really prove it as sort of the lead guard without a DeMar DeRozan there. Him and Vucevic, at least on paper, makes sense. Um, defensively, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but offensively, it makes sense. I don't know. I think that there might be something there. And I guess I just don't really know what else you could do if you're Chicago. Like, if you let Vucevic walk, then what? Like, you don't really have a replacement for him available. It's not a great free agent market in terms of centers. Maybe they could have been a player for somebody like DeAndre Ayton, but I don't know that they have the parts that they could or would want to trade in that kind of deal. Um, so it, it, it was a little strange at first. I get why Chicago fans are frustrated, but I just don't know what the other option was for Chicago. Yeah, we got some real contract year magic from Vooch last year. I mean, it was kind of the best season of his career, 59% true shooting. He has ne He's never really been a high usage guy, even though we sort of think of him as being just sort of a scoring center. It's really never even past like 25%, and he never turns the ball over. So like, in terms of what you're putting there, it's not like he's sucking the life out of your team. The problem to me is Chicago's defense was kind of where they were the best last year. That That's why they were a sneaky good team. And he was... A negative for them like when he was on the court they were worse on defense and and they just drummond is going to opt out it sounds like he might go to dallas so that's that's the tough part um is he more like i've heard stuff like yeah vucevic needs to go and play like a demonta sabonis type role or something i'm like i don't see that from vooch at this point in his career mm -hmm. he's like closer to the Jonas valanchunas end of the spectrum than the sabonis end of the spectrum do you guys agree with yeah. that it's like a better Valanciunas yeah. Nurkic than it is like, you know, he's not Jokic or Sabonis or anything. But I mean, I do think there's something to the fact that like we've seen those two guys, Sabonis and Jokic, both be on good teams. So I, I just think like Vooch is good enough on defense where he's not going to just kill you and he's not overly involved on offense. To me, this is just an example of like get mad at the right things. You know what I mean? The The problems with Chicago right now are they did not have to give Zach Levine that contract last year, at least to the max, 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 everything that they gave him. And Lonzo Ball, that you, you can't blame anyone for that, right? So it's like, that's the problem. And you talked about trades, Wes, and it's like, they really can't make any trades because Lonzo's their only salary. 
And so I think that outside of like DeRozan on an expiring, which I'm not sure who necessarily wants that in his mid thirties and then Levine's huge deal. So, you know, I, I think there's something to be said for bringing Vooch back with all the qualities we talked about. And he gives you at least one more kind of mid tier salary. If you do end up having to, to shuffle things down the road, the, the real, I guess, concern in terms of the years and, and like what the actual contract was is I think he's already 33. So he, he turned, I, this is where I was going to go. He turns 33 late October. So right around the start of the season. Yeah. And if you look at the other teams with cap space, this, that, that could, like they obviously resigned him with bird rights. Okay. Here are the teams with cap space and I'll get projected practical cap space per spot track. Thunder, 16 million magic, 22 million. Jazz 25, Pistons 27, Pacers 32, Spurs 37, Rockets 59.7. Who else was giving Vooch $20 million? It is weird that we didn't even get into free agency before this deal came through. Like, it, 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 the timing of this kind of screams Chicago just wanting to do what it is that they did last year, which is just be kind of mediocre. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the other options now for the Bulls are, right? They're not, when you're listing off your cap space teams, like, you're not including Chicago in that because they don't have cap space. Like, I don't really know, like, they have an exception. Maybe there's some trades that they can work out on the fringes. But that's the thing with the Bulls is I just don't really know what the next step for them is. And, you know, I think I think the Washington Wizards comparison is a really good one because we kind of were saying the same thing about the Wizards the last couple of years. It's like, I don't know, hopefully hit on a middling draft pick and then maybe see what happens stay healthy maybe for a year and, and maybe make a run into the second round of the playoffs. It feels like that's best case scenario still for Chicago. Should trade Caruso. If I were them, it's trade Levine, trade DeRozan. Shouldn't have signed Vooch. Should, tra- should just trade Caruso. It's burn it all down. I, it's just, I just say maybe that gets the front office fired and like they don't want to lose their jobs. I, I think sometimes we forget the part that guys like, like keeping their jobs and like making NBA executive salaries. I, I can understand that. Um, who's your Levine team? Look, again, look. If, if you think, cause I just don't know who in the world is taking that even in a Beal type of situation. Like I think Beal's a more valuable player, yeah. even though he made more money. I think Levine with his injury history and the length of that contract, I, I genuinely think you're talking about one of the more untradeable situations in the league. So I don't know what, yeah, do. that's, that's the hard That's the harder one. It's like, are the Knicks, is that the Knicks cash in? I, I don't really see that. At forty million, if they could go to other stuff, I like, think the Knicks could be in play if they're if they're motivated to get off of R.J. Barrett's deal. There might be like a win-win scenario in there somewhere. Um, I I know that the Heat have been mentioned as a possible Levine destination. I don't get any sense that they'd be willing to part with somebody like Tyler Hero for Zach Levine because they weren't willing to do it for Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal is better than Zach Levine, even though he's older. Um, it's just too much money to your guys' point. So. Maybe the Knicks, because I feel like there's maybe more buyer's remorse over the RJ extension than there is the Tyler Hero extension. Maybe there's something there, but yeah, outside of that, I don't really see it. What about a DeRozan trade? I've been looking at like who could use him, and like I think like what's the ball handling, it's the creation, it's the shot making, veteran guy. I I think he could absolutely like help a team next year if he got flipped somewhere. The question is like you have to match twenty eight million dollars. Or get close to it. That's that's the trickiest part of it. You need a place that can kind of stack up some money and, and do if it. If Middleton leaves in it. free agency, would Milwaukee be a landing spot? It's not ideal, but it's not like the worst thing. You could do like a Bobby Portis and a Pat Connaughton and get up there pretty quickly. Yeah, it's tough because he that. just occupies a spot on the court that you gotta you gotta just trust that you can give him the ball in the mid range and keep getting efficient possessions out of it and. You just don't know how long that's going to last and how worthwhile that's going to be. And a lot of these great teams, like they want to, I guess I just talked about it with Vooch, right? That somehow the Bulls defense was good with the Rosen. So maybe you just trust it. But I was thinking Atlanta, like if they could, if, if that could be one of the consolidation spots, like if they could send out more salary than they're taking in, you maybe could convince them to do that. And Chicago gets, I don't know, Bogdan Bogdanovich and like DeJounte, uh, DeAndre Hunter or something. Um, But feels like something Dallas would do. Doesn't make sense on sure. paper, yeah, but it, I was it, gonna. That, <laughs> it's just a lot of offense and no defense. Dallas seems to be their vibe. Poo poo platter offer yeah. that they put for DeAndre Ayton. Just yep. say, hey, 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 Chicago. How, how does this feel for you? Yeah. Salute to Lonzo Ball. Was, Prayers up for Lonzo Ball. That's that's my parting thoughts on the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I just want that guy to play basketball again. 
Uh, last, yeah, I would, I would just like him to be healthy and like able to walk upstairs. That would be Sounds cool. Um, the other, the other team, just because they have interest in the past, and it would be kind of weird, and the fit now would be kind of interesting considering they like are gonna keep Austin Reeves and things. But the Lakers, obviously, you could find it. Like, you have Beasley sixteen point five. You have Bombas ten point three. Yeah. yeah, that does it. Yeah, they're they're an interesting team that I actually don't think is getting talked about enough. The Lakers, with the ability to have that sign and trade flexibility and still re-sign Reeves and and Hachimura, but it just has to be the perfect number and it has to be the perfect fit. DeRozan is also an expiring contract, so any team looking to trade for him, you you don't know for sure if you're going to keep him. You know, so. And I don't love that for the Lakers because I'm not taking any touches away from Austin Reeves. The Lakers yeah, have stability for the agree. first time in a while, and I just feel like they're going to blow it, and it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> like, they just have this this nice team that they can just roll back and, and start to build up from, and then they're just going to do something dumb. Can't wait. All right, let's move on to big themes of the NBA offseason free agency. Make some cases for things. Make, dive into some different things. Wes, as the guest, start us off. Give me something you're you're feeling strongly about, one positively, negatively, whatever it is for this free agency market. Uh, it kind of sucks in terms of helpful players. Um, like the big ticket free agents are James Harden and Kyrie Irving. You know, those are the top free agents on everybody's board, and I don't know that I'd be a team rushing to get in line to get in business with either James Harden or Kyrie Irving, and then beyond that, you you got a bunch of teams talking themselves into Fred Van Vliet. Like, it's just not a good for agency class. There's some interesting guys on minimums, but, like, you know, you kind of go through the blogs and the podcasts and stuff, and it's like every fan base is like, we should get Yuta Watanabe. And it's like, all right, we're already here, and free agency hasn't even started. We're already on the Watanabe thing. It's just, <laughs> this free agency class sucks. On the bright side, because it sucks, and everybody knows it sucks, trades, and trades are fun. So I think we're going to get a lot of trades, maybe even more trades than we when, than we usually see, maybe in offseason. I'm not saying like blockbuster, like a bunch of Bradley Beal type trades, but just like normal trades that are sensible and maybe even helpful to teams instead of just like these full bore superstar deals that have kind of dominated the NBA conversation. Like I think that we might just see some interesting shuffling of deck chairs, role players go from one place to another for other role players that just help teams rebalance their rosters. Like... Like the Kristaps Porzingis, Marcus Smart, Jones three-way deal. Like that to me was an interesting trade that may or may not work out, but made sense for everybody involved. And I'd just like to see trades that make sense for everybody involved. And I think we'll see more of those. Do you think free agency is, at least for the time being, over? Or do you, do you think this new CBA will, over time, actually bring it back? Because I think that's an interesting conversation. The way we have seen the league work for a while is that it's like a, an extensions and trades league. You know, stars get where they want to go, they extend, and then the only kind of bailout opportunity that, that teams have is to start trading stuff either to supplement that star that they just got or eventually tear it back down and get rid of that guy and, and, and start to rebuild. Um, and I think the league was not loving that. But I also am not convinced that this new CBA necessarily fixes that issue because I saw a lot of people talking, uh, like Nate Jones, the the guy who works with Dame, and and he was on Twitter saying like the the mid tier guys are going to hit free agency more often, change teams more often, and that's kind of going to be one of the legacies of of this new CBA is more movement in that tier, more opportunities to make real money for that tier instead of the stars just kind of soaking everything up. It's a big question that I'm thinking about heading into this, but I guess we don't know the answer. I'm curious if either of you guys have a guess. I don't really have a guess because I don't know the CBA that well. And like just on the face of it, let alone to try to figure out the kind of unintended consequences of it. I just know that stars don't really want to enter free agency because they'd rather get the big extensions. And I don't think that the CBA changes the value of extensions. Like you're always going to get more money on an extension then you're going to get as a pure free agent and the superstars want the extensions. They want the supermaxes. They want all these things. And then they figure it out later. Um, I do wonder, my thing is with like the second apron and we've seen the NFL do this over the last few years where you get your rookie quarterback on that deal. And then you just build around the quarterback as quickly as possible to try to build a Super Bowl team. 
I wonder if we start seeing that more because we're getting these rookies in the NBA who are really good, like better than they used to be. Like Paolo Bancaro last year, he couldn't be the number one player on a championship team, but he could have been like the fourth best player on a championship team. Like he could have been the Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. for a championship team. Like he was already that good yep. walking in. Yep. Victor Wembanyama, uh, Miller, Scoot Henderson, like these guys are projected to be that kind of level rookie walking into the door. And I wonder if you have that guy making eight, nine, ten million dollars, which is still below probably their worth on the court, right? Like Paolo Bencaro was probably already playing at like a sixteen, eighteen million dollar level last year. Do you start to build around them quickly because you don't want to get into that first apron or, or start nudging up against that second apron? Do you just start saying like, okay, this guy's good enough to at least be helpful, even if he's not the leader? Let's just start building around him as quick as possible and kind of have the NBA doing the NFL thing. I think we are going to start seeing that happen with the right rookies. I think we need to start yeah. seeing that happen with San Antonio right now. Like Webin Yama is good right now. So start building around him. Why wait? Because he's cheap right now and you're going to have to pay him later. And then as these stars get older, they start looking around. And if those championship teams aren't being assembled around them, they're like, maybe I should just go somewhere else. So that also kind of curbs that yeah. risk. I thought we were kind of headed there, actually. I think I wrote something once around like the 2018-19 time frame when Porzingis got traded out of New York on his rookie deal. Then we had Zion, Trey, and Ja all come into the league within a few years. And they were all ready to win. And their teams kind of hit the gas. Less so Memphis. But, you know, uh, Memphis just kind of got good organically. but. I thought we were headed there and then maybe just COVID and the superstar trades in 2019 with Durant and Kyrie and Leonard and George and LeBron and AD all kind of changing and consolidating at the same time got us off course from that. But I think you're right. I mean, we talked about that the other day, Chris, with Atlanta with, mm -hmm. you know, they just drafted too well for a cheap owner. And that's kind of what's happened with the Hawks is they just got a, a lot of good first round picks that they had to pay. And then the owner was like, wait, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? And it's like, well, we, we acquired young talent and then we paid it and now we're going to try to win. And he's like, no, you're not. You got to get rid of these guys, you know? So I do think that there's a possibility that the, the new CBA, it's not so much going to be Jason Tatum uh, or, you know, uh, whoever it ends up being uh, Trey young, but John Collins, Carl Anthony towns, even like a Grant Williams guys that are on expensive teams that aren't the best players on those expensive teams. I do think we might see them, actually get to free agency rather than it just being a no-brainer extension or re-signing like it has been for a while and so uh i think that could mean free agency actually does start to get a little better and teams maybe do actually care about cap space again before Can i throw long, two other names at we'll you see. yeah paul george and Kawhi leonard like do we really think that the clippers are going to extend them probably not you know there's been a couple of reporters that have been on top not of this but I can't imagine them giving the supermax, like the the max deal, right? They're gonna and they're superstars, right? They want the max deal. So if the Clippers offer thing anything less, they could either demand a trade or just say no. And I would think they probably just say no, based on just not knowing Kawhi or Paul George, just based on how superstars behave over the last two decades. Um, they would probably just say no and say, you know, f you, I'm gonna go get the max somewhere else. And then if they do try to get traded, who's trading for these guys? I think Paul George could get traded for, but exactly. I don't know that they're going to get anything of value. I don't, and, and I don't know. I really have no idea who would trade for Kawhi at this point. So there's a chance that they enter free agency in a couple of years just because they have to, just by default. And if those guys are, on free, are, are free agents, at that point, they'd probably get the max from somebody somewhere or something close to it. But I don't know. Those would be like kind of the biggest stars that we've seen actually enter free agency sort of unwillingly because James Harden and Kyrie they're in well, less so Kyrie but that's a whole other point uh, kind of situation but James yeah. Harden is like willingly entering free agency in order to get the raise right and playing two teams off of each other on the open market we could see we could see situations like that but I don't think anybody thinks that Harden is a true free agent in the sense that it's anywhere other than Philadelphia and maybe Houston even though the buzz around that seems to be uh cooling off a little bit but like real free agency Real, like, Kevin Durant taking meetings, LeBron James taking meetings, like, real free agency. I don't, for a superstar, I don't know. We just haven't seen it in a long time. I do think there's going to be guys that realize, too, though, that, you know, even Kevin Durant, it took him a year to get where he wanted to go because he signed an extension that he probably regretted signing, right? Right. And so somebody's going to try that and just get told no. 
And I think then there, there might be a, a flip back to guys realizing like, hey, actually getting closer to free agency gives me some more leverage to get where I want to go because the threat of just leaving for nothing is there. Whereas these guys have just been blindly signing off on these extensions. And then it's like, like Joel Embiid's a great example. His Supermax kicks in this upcoming season. And we already think if he if Harden had left, which we still don't know for sure, that he would have been kind of starting to consider you know, what might be coming next. And his extension hasn't even started. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but that's I, a, that's a good place to start. I do wonder too, just, and, and then I'll stop talking about the subject. Cause I know we want to move on, but like all these superstars forcing their ways onto like new superstar teams every other year. And then all these kind of superstar teams flopping and not doing what they want to do, which is win championships because they have to give up so much in a, in a trade. We're already seeing Damian Lillard saying, like, I don't want the team that I go to having to give up a ton where I'm not on a contender anymore. It might behoove them to enter free agency. And, as opposed, and there's other things like what teams have cap space and stuff. Like, can everybody do the kind of the Miami Heat waiting for two years to clear, cap, clear the books and get cap space kind of thing? In 2010, I don't know. But, like, free agents might, or, or superstars might look at free agency as a way to join a championship caliber team without having to strip the team that they're going to if championships really end up becoming important for these players more than even maybe whatever money that they would get be giving up on an extension there's a little bit of phoenix shade in that comment there i i, I kind of noticed it but yeah but that's fine uh chris you have thoughts on this the only thing i'll add is that i think we are more and more just kind of in a spot where like NBA transactions resemble European soccer transactions where like actual free agency is like not like you're just going to see trades and guys get extended and like you look at this market now there's some guys I like on this market but that are you're going to get for relatively low cost but they're not like the cream of the crop guys like we're deciding months in advance I mean this is getting done like some of the stuff you're dictating behind the scenes you're talking about a month in advance to kind of leverage where you want to go like that's just where we're at with this and I I what I am be what I am most curious about kind of as how this unfolds is like what's the line of player that teams are like okay like like who who try who's what's like the level of player that tries to like leverage this for themselves but the, it, they're not good enough for it actually to work something it less have been than Jalen Brown yeah it's a come it's, full circle exactly <laughs> yeah. It yeah. should have been like a guy like that, and maybe in the next CBA it will be, yeah. But is it is it like kind of cat like cat to me is like one of the examples of this because like I don't think cat's good enough to, or like and he's making so much money that I don't want to like dictate. He just got like, so well, who's lucky like with going out of the way, way things lined up there. But yeah, yeah, cat is an interesting one because he just had the kind of built in like former number one overall pick, lovey dovey kind of unanimous story to it, unanimous you know? rookie of the year the same year Nikola Jokic was a rookie, which in which historically is like a very funny thing that that is just true. Yeah. Well, no one's going to win awards that should anymore because speaking of the new CBA, everybody has to play sixty five games. So get ready for wackiness on that one. But um, Chris, what's your first case? So. Mine is just that I don't... I'm not actually super in love with this guard market. Hard into his late 30s. Um, okay. Have fun paying that contract. Figuring out a home for, for Russell Westbrook. Ah, like, ah. Kyrie, like... Sorry, I don't know if I'd want to be in the Kyrie business, even if I'm Dallas. Like, I understand they're in a tough spot, but, like, he at post-30 makes me nervous. Even Van Vliet, he's going to be 30 next year. He's a smaller guard. Do you want a four years of Van Vliet money? Is that going to age perfectly? D'Angelo Russell, what do you even do here? Right? Like, I, like this free agency guard market to me has guys I like for like a very short amount of time. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what's up here. Who is the best the most likely guard contract to age well, and why is it Austin Reeves? It's because he's younger. That's why. Yeah. And because there's a cap on, he's not going to get like so much money that it's ridiculous. Like the, the arenas rule is like keeping him kind of checked in at a certain number. That's like actually pretty palatable for what he is. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to become Jordan Poole contract 2.0 in six months. No. I mean, am I, am I wrong? I feel like it's going to be Reeves. He's only 25. You're getting him for four years at like 25 million a year. I just think like chalk that in that that's just that's just going to be nice for for the whole duration of it. And he's a two way player. I mean, he's not an amazing defender, but he can do it. 
Um, who's second? It's a great question. I have to pull up is the it, list. Is it? Is it the first two years of Van Vliet? Man, sounds like Van Vliet might only sign a two-year deal with with the Houston rumors, but forty million. I'm, I don't I'm know good if that's good that. value. But, I mean, all things considered, for them, who no, cares? But, like, but, but, like, but uh, yeah, like length. Okay, that's fine. Um, it's not D'Angelo. One. It's not Kyrie. It's not Harden. Like. I, this guard yeah. market has names that again are name like they're brand names. Like Kyrie's a brand name. He maybe scribbles it out on his shoe, but like he's a he's a brand name. Like Russ is a brand name <laughs> who's gonna probably get a minimum, and like it has to be in the right exact circumstance for him to recreate what he was with the Clippers. Yeah. Like I none of these name brand guards. I'm like even like, like a Karis LeVert Kyrie. is like. Eh. You know what I mean? Like people have been waiting for Karis LeVert to be good. The Cavs for four are gonna years. give him. Cavs are going to give him like 15 to 18 million a year somewhere in there. And they're going to do it because they want to have his tradable salary. It is not like a, Hey, we love Karis Lord. He's worth like 6 million more than the MLE. It's we need to use this big salary to trade for another player. That's better than Karis Lord. Honestly, that is. once so, you get past, uh, <laughs> once you get past Austin Reeves in terms of like positive value contracts, the first name that I come across that makes sense is a, as a, in terms of a guy that you can get on a value on a value contract, is Javon Carter. And that's where we're at, I think, on the point guard market. Everybody Let else we're going to pay for. We did a segment looking at the history of guys who leave Miami West mm-hmm. uh, after playing really well, and it, it's not always awesome. Um, how much would you be willing to pay Gabe Vincent if you were not the Heat? If I'm not the Heat? To feel good about it. Not just to get him, like, to pry him loose, et cetera. But, like, what would you feel like is a value deal for a guy like him if I'm taking him out of the heat infrastructure? So I'm not going to account for, like, the TV rights thing because I'm not that smart, so I'm not going to do that. But based on, like, where we currently are, like, $8 million yeah. a year. I think that's what we said, Chris, right? Like, 8 to 10? Yeah. He's a good defender, even though he can really only guard his own, his, his position, but he's smart, he tries hard, jumps passing lanes, he'll create stuff for you. Um, he's got some off the dribble bounce. Um, he can pull up from mid range and from three, uh, pretty reliably, even though the three point shots a little shaky, he's a little bit more of a better mid range shooter, but I, I, I believe that that three point shot can come around. Um, and he's a great locker room guy. And if you're just looking for a, and so often, like when we talk about point guards, you just want good locker room guys. Like how many of these point guards that we're already talking about are just like, yeah, I don't really want them in my locker room. And that's sort of like the biggest thing against him. It's like Harden. Kyrie, D'Angelo Russell, you're like, yeah, every time these point guards go somewhere, they're like diva wide receivers, and I just don't want to deal with it. Like, Gabe Vincent's not a diva wide receiver. He just, like, knows, he's a slot receiver who knows his role, and those guys are valuable. And uh, I think Gabe would be a guy that a lot of locker rooms like. And it's funny, you talk to the Miami Heat, you talk to any of their players, if you were to ask each Heat player, hey, who's your best friend in this locker room? Like, 90% of them. Basically, everybody but Jimmy Butler would say Gabe Vincent. Who would Jimmy say? Jimmy would have said Kyle because they're literally best friends. But he likes Gabe, like everybody likes Gabe Vincent. Everybody likes Gabe Vincent. And sometimes that's half the job when you're a point guard. You just have to be liked by your locker room. Well, and we're in this era yeah. now where I think the small guys rarely close games. You know, I mean, yeah. is somebody like Gabe Vincent a lock to be in the closing lineup of whatever team, including Miami, that he ends up with? Probably not. So, you know, it's even more important that they're, that they're not like, you know, do it all types. Um, all right, I'll make the case for my first one. Kyle Kuzma, and it is a positive case. You guys were haters. I'm going to be a a lover here. Um, I don't know if I love $30 million, which is where the rumors are are kind of circulating on him right now. But when you look at Jeremy Grant, when you look at Dylan Brooks, when you look at some of the other guys who are maybe replacement options for whoever doesn't get Kuzma, I just think I would rather have Kuzma over pretty much all of them. Maybe Middleton being the only guy I might rather have, but not long-term. He makes open threes, good finisher, improved mid-range shooter, good defensive rebounder, solid perimeter defender, seven-foot wingspan, all these things. He's had two really strong seasons, the year the Lakers won the championship and then this past season. And he's not, like, you know, old by any means, right? He's only uh, 27. 27, about to turn 28, so four-year deal. You're getting him for for really like sort of his prime. 
Um, I would go 20, 25 million for this guy if it meant knowing I would get him in the building. And I think Indiana, Sacramento, any of the teams that we know need wings, even Houston, it sounds like they're they're a suitor. Chris Haynes had that uh, a little more reasonable report in the uh, <laughs> latest thing he had. Um, I'd be down with all of that. And he seems like a, a pretty laid back guy. He's never, you know, had a problem with whatever his usage might be or anything. Everyone liked shots, but he was on a, a championship team coming off the bench. So I think I'd bet on it. Um, I, I like Kyle Kuzma. Can I give you a prediction here? Yeah. Kyle Kuzma is going to be the next John Collins contract. That's my negativity. Wow. Yeah. I had him, you guys kind of, you said we got to have like over and undervalue things. And I had Kuzma as being overvalued. He's the next John Collins contract. I am telling you at whatever he was making last year, 14 million, it's a bargain. And everybody's like, yeah, we would really like to have Kyle Kuzma on our team, especially for 14 million on an expiring contract. If he signs a $25 million deal, my prediction is that that deal will be get in trade rumors within the year. I, I promise you that will be in trade rumors within the year. I like Kyle Kuzma. I think he's a fine player. But when you watch him, there's just like eye test stuff. It seems a little empty to me. Like I want a little bit more. I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I like the stats last year, but the Wizards stunk and somebody had to take shots and he was more than happy to do it. I don't know how he fits into a really good team. I'm not saying he can't do it. But I just think that one, I think it's just one of those kinds of things where he's a good player. He's not a $25 million a year player. And it's going to be one of those things where as soon as he signs that contract, just like with John Collins, as soon as he signed that contract, he was immediately getting shopped. Like it was immediate buyer's remorse. And it was like, yeah, we should probably trade this contract. We can't really build around this guy. So that's, that's my prediction on Kuzma. Fine player, but he's the next John Collins. Chris, it sounds we were texting about this. It feels like you're more on Wes's side than my side. So I one of mine is actually that I think one of mine that I, would, I want to make the case for is I would be more comfortable giving Grant Williams a longer term deal than I would Kyle Kuzma. Big trash talk I, guy. I think Kuzma yeah. ha- Well, number one, I look. I I don't know how you you cover that series, Wes. I love that Grant Williams was like willing to at least poke, like not like go in the locker room at a pair of sunglasses and like say poke the bear and then just like. But, like, he at least, like, played... Like, he didn't do the Dylan Brooks thing. He actually just kind of, like, went and, like, got into it with Jimmy a little bit. I don't... Like, I, I don't care. Like, like whatever. Like, guys are going to do that. I would rather a guy do that than not. Like, yeah, you're going to lose sometimes. And It was... Okay, The whatever. thing I didn't like about it was that the Celtics were up 12 when he did it. And it wasn't that... It wasn't like, oh, my God, you poked the bear and see, like, we lo- you guys lost that game because you made Jimmy Butler come back from 12. No. It's just easy to trash talk when you're up 12. It's easy to trash. Like Grant sure. Williams is your friend sure. at the bar who only picks fight with fights with the drunkest guy at the bar. It's like, yeah, of course you're gonna kick his ass because he's wasted. Like it's not a real challenge. Fair. So there's a little that's, weak that's, sauce to that's me. That's fair. That's fair. Chris, make the case that's for, for Look, Grant, Grant Williams because I'm a I'm I'm a skeptic in the way you're talking about him. I loved Grant coming out of the draft. I think he's a really good player, but he doesn't do a ton. But I, but I think like depending on where he gets and what the price, I think I think I'm building into the fact that the prices are going to be lower. And like what I want him to do is be six six, be two forty, be strong, defend, play multiple spots on defense, shoot threes, do handoffs. He doesn't need to do a lot to be successful, but he has a very important role like in what NBA teams do. And he can play a bunch. He can unlock different styles for you. A lot of teams would just be better for him. And like Kuzma, Kuzma has had like an evolution in DC that is more shot creation, more just getting shots up. Like the guy that you saw in LA, you'd have to work back to get there, to get there in a certain way. That I don't know if that's like a guarantee. Like this is a guy whose shot attempts, whose everything is just kind of really ramped up since he left LA. He scored twenty points for the first time in his career last year. Like I don't know if that he's gonna want to like scale that back from what he from from what he was. Yeah. I just think Grant as like as a size bet, as a understands his role bet, as a strength bet, I just and like a little bit three years younger, I think I would just rather like invest if that's fifteen to eighteen versus twenty five for Coos. That's the bet I would make. I'd rather pay Grant and just have that than give Coos like all the money in the world. You know what the biggest difference might be that's almost kind of makes it even more simple. 34% from deep for Kuzma, 38% from deep for Grant Williams. I, I just think I, the, I, to pick a knit in my own thing, I, uh, the one obvious 
bet that you would have to be making on Kuzma is that he can be closer to, you know, the Lakers, not even the championship season, but the year after that, which was his best year. He shot 36% from deep. He shot 37% from deep his rookie year. He's just been very, very streaky and up and down as a shooter. And you have to bet that he can even out there. I think he's better in a smaller role than this year. So like I, I heard, I hear you completely on, he's not going to be 20 points per game. His usage went up from 20 in the twenties with the Lakers to 28 this past year. Like, I, I don't think you want him to do that, but if you could bring him into, you know, Indiana and have him play off of Halliburton or Sacramento and have him be kind of the third guy off the Fox Sabonis two man game. I think that's a, a solid role. If he's making his threes, if he's not making his threes, Wes is right, and they're going to trade him the next season, that, that, the first season that they can. If Washington brings him back, is that too many stars on one team between Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma? <clears throat> yeah. It, is there not it, enough basketballs? Would, not enough balls. Yeah, they, they're going to need a, an offensive genius to come in and, and just get the talent to, to map out right because that's just, yeah, it's too much in one building. Yeah, it's a lot to handle there. Can I throw one other power forward at you guys? And then I, I, I have a question that I want to throw at you uh, that kind of ties all these yeah. together. Uh, overvalue Cam Johnson. And I like Cam Johnson. I think he's a fine player. Talking about three-point shooting, knockdown guy, 40 41% for his career from three. But that's it. He's an okay rebounder. He's not a playmaker. He's a little bit overrated as a, a defender, I think. People are like, oh, he's this big, versatile defender. I trust him guarding one-and-a-half positions. Kind of. I just trust him guarding other sort of swing forwards that are his size. I don't trust him against really big guys. I don't trust him against smaller guys. Um, I'm hearing stuff for like $20 million a year. That just seems like a lot. It feels like he's going to go back on to Brooklyn no matter what. Restricted free agent. Brooklyn pretty much has to bring him back because he was a big part of that Durant deal. But I don't know. That's another That's another one of those contracts where it's like, yeah, Cam Johnson on a rookie-scale contract, that's a lot of fun. Seven, eight million dollars a year, whatever he was making, that's good. $20 million a year just seems like a lot for Cam Johnson. So I want to ask you guys this. Between the four of them, based on what they'd have to get paid, and you're a team with just a blank amount of cap space, whatever, who would you rather pay? Kyle Kuzma, Grant Williams, Cameron Johnson, or Draymond Green? Where, where can I ask, like, where exactly I am in my team building run? Like, am I like a title contender or am I like the cap a team trying teams, to right? elevate? I mean, let's so say you're the, the Chicago bad, Bulls. The let's team. say you're the Chicago Bulls and you just and you're you get to sign any of those guys to the contracts that they're going to get on the market. And I'm giving you the I'm giving you the uh random podcast exception. Well, Draymond's last for the, for the Bulls because like I don't like Draymond should be like on teams that have actual championship capability in that bull team no matter right, who the you Sacramento have, Kings have they have 30 million dollars of cap space maybe that's a better example like a team that's kind of on the brink of yeah okay that's and a little yeah. bit more versatility Draymond in order I would go Draymond Grant Kuzma Cam Johnson I would probably go Draymond Kuzma Cam Grant if I'm any team I'd sign Draymond so whatever contract it is, $24 million a year, whatever it is, and I'm not signing any of those other guys to what the market is going to dictate. I'm just not doing it. And I know I'm, I have more, most of my things are overvalues, and I guess that's going to, like, I know that money has to go somewhere. Like, somebody's got to get paid, and I just think that nobody's worth it, and that's going to be kind of my theme for this show. But, um, man, just these deals, like, they just, someone is going to pay them a lot of money, and we're already in a space where they're like, oh, yeah, like, uh, we got the TV thing coming up, so these contracts aren't going to look as bad. We've already done this before, right? Like, a bad contract is a bad contract. I don't care about the TV money. Yeah. Chris, what do you think of Cam? Because I I made the case against him on our last show. I think the injury yeah. stuff, and I think he's become an overrated defender. Um, where would you where would you kind of slot him? I feel like maybe at one point you thought he was a Cavs option, but but that's not going to happen anymore. He's going to make Yeah, make the price yeah, the, the the price is is way too high. Um If he was like a year or two younger, I would feel like better about it just because you would make you would have like just more con more optimism in the upside of what was going to come. 
at the same and it's like the injury stuff is just kind of hanging over this a little bit but like i get it for certain teams like if you're the if you're the pistons like why not like it's like it's very much like if you're a team that can absorb this kind of mistake if it doesn't work then i think it's i'm okay with it it's just i think it's dependent on what situations can can it can absorb things that go wrong what about detroit because we did a big segment talking through detroit's offseason a few weeks ago and it seems like they're the most likely team to get him if it's not brooklyn um that feels like a team that can afford to swing and miss because who else are they going to convince to come to detroit they have a bunch of space they need a shooter um you know we i think we talked through it when we did that segment chris like you look at their on off from last season and it was can you shoot it all then you're at the top of the on off stuff for their offense and even Alec Burks made a huge impact. He's a good good player but like, you know, he's not usually at the top of your on off chart. Um so Cam Johnson feels like a decent fit there and that's kind of why I have backed off the full hate on it cuz it's like it, if he if he lands somewhere that he makes sense and the money is a little irrelevant cuz their team is so young, I I I disagree with it less, but like Brooklyn, I honestly think it, it would be kind of a mistake knowing that they have the flexibility to kind of dip back into the star pool again. I would be nervous if I'm Brooklyn bringing that much money on for Cam Johnson, who you're just going to probably be looking to trade him for a bigger player eventually. Mm-hmm. He's overpaid. You, you don't know what your team is right now. You don't really have a point guard to kind of set the table for him. He didn't play great like Mikhail did when they got there after the Durant deal. So I don't know. I agree. It's it's very situation dependent. I have another wing here uh, to keep us going. Also, Chris, you were right. It should have been the haters' guide to NBA free agency, but <laughs> I just felt yeah, I, I just felt I, uncomfortable. I, I did pitch that. I, yeah, the, the nature of that felt uncomfortable to me. Wow. I mean, look, I I am I am pro. Like, let's be optimistic in in life. I think having positive outlook on life and and trying to be what you want to be, like, see in the world, is a good thing. But sometimes you just got to be like is some team really going to give D'Angelo Russell like a stupid amount of money? To, to, to Maybe that's what you want to see. Like really Maybe that's like, what you want to see in the world. More responsible spending in free agency. I, I, I like that. I go. like that for D'Angelo Russell and his family. I don't like that for the team that has to like give him that money. Yeah. Well, all right. I have a negative one. So that was why I, uh, keep it going. Agreed with you there, Chris. Um, Dylan Brooks. Ooh, Ooh I had and him on my, uh, undervalued. Really? Okay, so I, I will admit, part of this is very much directed toward his fit po- in Houston. Wes, Wes actually really likes to poke bears and like hit people in the nuts. That's actually a big part of, of Wes. He spent some time in Northern California, so maybe you, yeah. you had some run-ins with bears. I'm not sure. Um, Tried to stay away from them. <laughs> all right, so uh, yeah, again, it's, like, it's, it's a little bit about the Rockets specifically here. I don't think there's no team where I, I would like Dylan Brooks, but or no price. Like if he goes to a good team on the mid level, I'm not going to sit here and throw a fit about it. But if he goes to the to the Rockets or one of these other teams with cap space, I I do think it it would be a mistake. I agree. He's like legitimately one of the most impactful wing defenders in the NBA. Like no matter how you kind of slice it up, all the stats, watch the team, it's it's pretty clear. Like yeah, he he didn't contain LeBron James. Add him to the list, right? Um, and the Memphis defense has been better an elite Memphis defense, mind you, not just like a mediocre team that gets better when he's out there. They've been substantially better whenever he's on the court on defense. Um, But he got pretty great shots with the Grizzlies and still couldn't make them. And I just feel like if he goes to a team like Houston or any kind of, honestly, even the Cavs, I, I wouldn't be positive saying that the team is better when he's on the court. Because I think the the offense has the chance to be to be such a way way down like it, to, to just weigh the team down so badly that it kind of cancels out what the defense is. If you're a team that needs a three and D wing like a real one, Dylan Brooks isn't going to be that for you. And so he needs to go to a situation that that he can really sort of be a specialty player, a a specialist guy that just is there to defend. And if you can provide that for him and you're not paying him too much, great. But it doesn't sound like he's going to go to a place where that's the case. And you throw in the fact that he just got out of a young team with some culture questions where he wasn't thought to be a very good fit for that. You're going to tell me he's going to go to Houston and they need to get their their stuff figured out and and, and he's going to work out there. That, that would worry me. 
Um, I'll give you the case. Uh, you kind of laid out the positive case for Dylan Brooks. He's an all-NBA-level defender. And I just I like guys that I know are going to walk in and do something right away. Like, that is something that I know I'm getting from Dylan Brooks right away. You're right. I, I think it would be kind of silly for Houston to spend a bunch of money on him. He's not really in their age range. I don't know what their age range is. It kind of feels like, to me, Dylan Brooks might have been more of an option for them if they also got James Harden or if they also get Fred Van Vliet. Like, then it starts to make a little bit of sense. Um, I'd be curious to see if they don't get either of those guys, if they still spend the money. They're one of those teams that kind of have to spend money somewhere, and so maybe it is just a Dylan Brooks. Um, although, I would hesitate to bring Dylan Brooks onto another young team and just kind of let him do what he did in Memphis, which is kind of have a louder voice than he probably should. Um, but put him on a veteran team with an established hierarchy, I really like what he could do. I Like I did with like the, the Kyle Kuzma deal, right? Where, all right, sign the deal, Fast forward in your brain a year, what do you think about that contract? I think there's a world where if Dylan Brooks signs in the right place, fast forward a year, it's like, wow, that Memphis thing, that situation was way worse than we even knew. All the John Moran stuff, the Dylan Brooks stuff, like it was just sort of like this flammable thing that with all these personalities that just combusted, he's on a, a better team, a better situation with more shooting around him, and he's just playing his role. And, you know, I've talked with Dylan Brooks a few times. I think he's a really intelligent basketball player. I think he's just like a guy that's going to make it work. I think the three-point shot is going to turn around. It's not ever going to be elite, but I think it's going to be better than what is last year and maybe the year before that. Um, so I would sign him. The, the, my sneaky Dylan Brooks team is the Sacramento Kings. I love that fit for him. I love that fit for the Kings. They have enough shooting that you could put on the floor with them. Um, I think that he's a decent cutter who can get better playing with a guy like Sabonis. Uh, and I think he would give them the kind of tough defender that they're looking for. He would sort of immediately elevate that defense. And if you're looking for a player that's not Draymond Green, because he's probably going to re-sign with Golden State, and is more in your sort of age range, which Dylan Brooks is in the same age range as Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox, I don't know, I like that fit for, the, I like that fit for Sacramento. I, I, I hadn't thought of that, Wes, and I, now that you're saying that, I do kind of like that fit much better than the Houston one. And it, it's also because I would trust Mike Brown yep. to handle Dylan Brooks. What was, the, what was the whole thing that Mike Brown went around preaching last year about how he got that part of the reason why he got that to work? He's had them sign accountability contracts on day one, and that guy doesn't put up with bullshit. Look, we, we, we all know this. We've covered the league. We've seen the league. You can tell it from afar. There are coaches who put up with bullshit because they just don't have the ability to like tamper down the bullshit. It's hard to. Sometimes it happens. The players went out. Mike Brown is not going to like let Dylan Brooks just like be full on reckless Dylan Brooks. Like he, he's going to have some of his edge in that scenario, but he's not. The odds of him doing what he did in like the Lakers series or like needlessly hitting Donovan Mitchell in the balls or like all the other stuff he's done, you're going to, you're less I think likely Dylan to Brooks think, would get say some it was of that needed, if Mike Brown's actually, there. Chris. I don't. I don't know if he would agree with needlessly. Well, no, he 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 would say he didn't do anything. He just his arm was extended, yeah. and it, Donovan Mitchell's nuts ran into his arm. That's what he would yeah. say. Is Mike Brown your dream just basketball show guest? I feel like you like him more than anyone in the NBA. <sighs> well, and I'm not even making thing. fun of I you. I'm, I'm actually. It actually feels that way. Like he would be on the top of your list. <sighs> Well, number one, I have a, I would have just a lot of questions that he wouldn't actually give me good answers to because it wouldn't make sense for him to about like his time <laughs> being this, particularly the second time he came back to coach the Cavs and then got fired when LeBron was coming back. Mm-hmm. And he had Kyrie and like Dion and like, you know, Anthony Bennett's rookie year. Like there's just a lot there. Not to mention the Lakers. That, like, there's, yeah, there's a lot. But yeah, the Lake, like he's had like an NBA life. Mm-hmm. He would be very high up on my list. In terms of coaches, I think he might be number one. It I seems think like he, he would be my number too, one. So like that, that puts him quite a bit yeah. ahead of, of others. And not, maybe not to the extent you're hoping for, but he would talk. My Dylan Brooks destination is the Timberwolves. I like that. I just, it's kind of crazy that they have their mid level. I don't really understand how that's possible. I don't know how they're not in the tax. Congrats to them for making that all happen. Um, uh, they, did you, I, if you guys want to chuckle, uh, look up how much they're paying their center position. Rob Mahoney pointed this out on, on a ringer show the other day. And he, this upcoming and he, he season, it's over a hundred million dollars, right? It's, I think it's in the nineties okay. and it's like almost like double, like what any other team is paying their centers next year. It's, Fucking incredible. Hey, they got to contain Tim Jokic. Conley, baby. The league is in a new era. You got to have three of those guys to get to to to, to counter the one that they have. Um, no, I just 
Yeah, I mean, it, the case kind of makes itself. Defensive guy, younger. Kyle Anderson's on a, an expiring contract. They they seem like they're going to cut Torian Prince, or they already cut Torian Prince. They did. Um, so they need some wing help now and in the future. I think they seem to benefit from Patrick Beverly being a guy to kind of, and Jimmy once upon a time, to to just sort of cut through the BS over there. And it feels like Dylan Brooks, on the court at least, can kind of be an enforcer. I'm not saying he's like, you know, the guy you bring in to fix everything. He's not, you know, that kind of veteran yet. But um, I do I do like that. So that's my two cents on him. Um, I have one more case to make. How many do you guys have? I think, Chris, you have one. I have one. It's very. It'll be a very mine's like. Short this is a very. Yeah, mine's a very boring. I can one. give you one or two more, depending on how much time. All right, go for one, Wes. Um, I would be very. I would be in a hurry to just pay Seth Curry or Damian Lee. Just give me a shooter. I don't think there's a lot of good shooters at decent prices. Just give me one off the bench. Like um, at the minimum, you know, I'm not talking about crazy money, but just like. If you're if you're a team that needs a shooter, I would just be calling those guys within the first hour of free agency because they're not expecting that call. They're going to be like sleeping or on the golf course or at a bar having drinks with their wives or something like that. I would just be like, yo. And they're related, actually. Seth Curry and Damon Lee. They're in the family. Not yeah. related, related, but they're in the family. I didn't even realize that. But they might be together. Who knows? Um, I would I just call one it. of them and just be like, hey, man, we want you. You're the shooter that we want because Max Drews, I'm not going to pay him $16 million a year, whatever it's going to be. Like, that, 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 that to me doesn't sound as interesting as just bringing in one of those shooters off the bench um, for the vet minimum. So that's mine. I like it. Mark Stein one had of those guys to one of the, coming back oh. to Phoenix. So um, friends with KD, friends with KD's family. Phoenix is a great place to live. Helps. Helps, yeah. Uh, curry to like the Nuggets. I like that. Philly. Back to Philly. Problem is, yeah, those guys come playoff time as an issue. But if I'm if I'm wanting a regular season bench guy, and I can get him for two three million dollars, and I know he'll have a role, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I totally hear you. Yours is kind of like this, Chris. So why don't you? Yeah. So I, I look at the market of three four types in the market: Torian Prince, Utawantanabe, three Utawantanabe name drops in the spot. Good stuff. Kelly Oubre, Tori Craig. There's a couple other ones kind of in that cheaper range you could look at as well. I just like a lot of these guys as like really regular season, he's serviceable three, four types. None of them are like a starter that I would feel super confident in if I'm a team with aspirations. But I think you can make do with a lot of these guys for a year if you need to figure out something in that spot. Like, especially if you're not going to get into the Grant or the Kuzma conversations and a lot of the teams that need this kind of position aren't. I think spending money on one of these guys like, Maybe you can get a little above the minimum with party or MLE or something or an exception you have. I think that would be pretty decent business to bridge the gap while you look for other options via trade, via punt the punt the can down the road here. I think you could do worse than like, hey, for a year, we're gonna we're gonna play Tori and Prince like twenty, twenty-five minutes a game just to get us through for some minutes at the three and the four and at least give us some depth if we need it. Torian Prince is a really interesting one where is he gonna be the type of guy that goes to one of these expensive teams on a really cheap contract just to kind of revitalize or does a team look at the year he had last year which i think was one of the best seasons of his career just from like a decision-making standpoint being able to actually be on the court late in games play defense not hog the ball etc and and somebody actually like gives him a new a big payday because uh, i kind of think the wolves should have just kept him but i know that that team is getting expensive so they might uh, keep him i think there's there's reports that they waived them in order to just resign him at the minimum for cap purposes okay but Okay. He did. Uh, he did apparently find out via Twitter, though. Yeah, which I always hate that. for said, players like, when they heads up woes yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, I uh, and then liked a bunch of Mavericks. Honestly, one hundred and one. So, Bummer. good for him. No state. You know, you don't. They don't talk about it enough. No state income tax in in Texas. I hadn't heard that. All right, so uh. Tory Craig is probably going to make a kind of ridiculous amount of money to stay with the Suns. I just want to throw that two cents in there because he's one of these guys. Good for, good for him. He's one of the only dudes on their roster that makes a legitimate amount of money that they can give him a raise on. So they could give him like six and a half million or something like that. And they probably will just so they can eventually trade him. Um, so, <laughs> but you're right. That is an interesting spot. I think Utah, Craig, Prince, those are all good examples. Um, my last one is, is Jakob Pertl. And I actually don't know if I'm making the case for or against him, 
Cause I was kind of like, I started out as a negative and then I almost talked myself into the $20 million contract by the time I was done looking around the league because he's like a legitimately great rebounder and defender, pretty solid finisher, not an athlete, obviously can't shoot free throws. We know those parts, but you just look like Miles Turner, Steven Adams, Yusuf Nurkic, Jonas Valanciunas. Some, everybody makes just shy of that or a little more. And if you're good at enough on both ends of the floor, you could convince me 20 million is realistic. Plus, I just think he has the leverage of, of Toronto telling them like, you just traded a first round pick for me. You really going to let me leave? And so I think he actually might, it might work out for him to set the price at 20 and, and either get it or exceed it. Um, and I don't think it would be a crazy contract as long as you're not going too long just because you know if he falls off a little bit from what he is right now you might get nervous he's only 27 though so maybe not um i think he's a good player i just think there's going to be some sticker shock of like paying 20 million dollars for a guy that might not close games for you but that's what two-way centers get so i don't think it's actually as crazy as it kind of seems at, at when you just hear it that's probably what he gets i think san antonio should throw it at him bring him back play him next to victor webb and yama yeah. boom I agree. Like the John I, Lester. I think he... Yeah. 20 is a little steep for me for what he is. But, like, if it was, like, 15, I don't think I'd feel differently. So, if you're just a team that's, like, paying him to fill a gap for you as you're, like, kind of raising your floor or whatever, and it's $20 million, it's like, okay, that that's fine. I don't think that's crazy. I I would be curious to see... On, on a Spurs note, whether it's Pirtle, whether it's someone else, or I know they they had Zach Collins, and I think we'll probably try to keep him... I'd be curious to see like what they do at center next if the, or and how much they actually want to play Wemby at the five, despite the fact that Wemby is is like said he's officially like seven three. Thanks, Chris. Not seven Appreciate six. It. No problem. No problem. Did I say Wemby again? I meant you to did say, say Wemby, but Vic. at least you got the height thing right. We have we have some okay, rules about Vic, Victor Wemby Yama on the show, Wes. Uh, we have to call him Vic because Wemby makes you sound like a child, and he's not seven five. He's seven three. He told us so. Yeah, yeah, seven three. I think like a quarter was like the official, okay. like height okay. that got reached the other day. Whatever. I'm curious to see like how much they decide to play the seven three alien at power forward and what they invest at center to save him from like Joel Embiid putting his shoulder into him. Yeah, you don't want that, right? I, I don't think that there's any reason to do that. Um, go find a guy. Just go find a guy. Go get go get a Plumley. Go get a Zeller. Just go get one of those. Just go get one. They're there. They're available. Just go get one. <laughs> you, you, I heard they come in a in a the the Zellers. If you want, could come in like a bundle set from Costco. Mm. Mm. It's a good deal. Yep. You get all. You get like three for the three for the price of one. Quantity over quality. It's like the Morai, but the it's like the Morai, but for like really right. like limited veteran white centers. Like a bundle of Zellers and Plumleys, and just call it. Yeah. Yeah. You get a. You get a. You get a. You get a Bogo. The Suns did that with Griffin. One brothers once together one time, free. although they didn't actually get Blake, you know, the, the best one. But um, well, it's like how the Knicks uh, had uh, J.R. Smith's brother in the G League. Yeah, Zor- Zoran Dragic, another classic <laughs> of the of the variety. Some of them yeah. just end up sounding like evil twins, know. but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, if your name's Zoran, I feel like you like absolutely like we're a Bond villain at some yeah, point. Yeah, you have a mustache. That's fine. And you don't have a last name; it's just Zoran. <laughs> you don't you don't get the and you definitely dragon. yeah it's just you yeah prob, probably probably also smoke cigarettes well he's european so they do that. they all do they, you know. uh yeah they look much cooler all right um for nt guys i gotta tell you and on this i don't know how excited i am about it because i feel like a lot of this stuff's just gonna get done and like that's good for my summer but in terms of like stuff surprising me I don't know how much stuff we're going to get that's going to be really, really surprising. Bold prediction. And on a bold prediction. That would be surprising. I think we're going to be kind of bored. That's not bold. Bored. We're going to be bored? I said bold prediction, not bored prediction. All right. Uh, Damian Lillard is a member of the Miami Heat before August 1st. I like it. Down. Uh, Kyrie Irving is going to go to the Suns on the minimum. Giannis is, is, he, Giannis is traded sl- to the Warriors. Bold prediction. <laughs> All right. Wow, I actually like went in like realism, and you guys just went like <laughs> fucking off the rails. Um, what? How is 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 is, is 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 he gonna? What is uh? What is the Suns owner's mortgage company name, Brendan? United Wholesale. I actually uh 
So is is Kyrie going to be like the new? Is he going to is he going to be like the new CFO of United of United Wholesale if he signs on the minimum? Well, like, I know Isaiah Thomas had a role over there, but it sounds like he's busy with the Suns these days. So maybe Only there's the board some would pass it. I watch Succession board meetings or a thing. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah. All right. Let's end there. Uh, if you want to go on our link below, click a link from our friends from Homage. Buy some stuff. You could support us by using that link. Some money comes back to us. Thanks again to Wes for coming through. Find him on Lockdown Heat. All you can heat. Uh, talking about Damian Lillard, Max Struess, every day. Gabe Vincent. Whole bunch of. Yeah, you have a lot. Of, you have a lot of stuff going on over there. I'm over here like Karis Levert. Uh, sure. You guys have fun. I have a boring summer ahead of me. All right, until then, this has been Just Basketball. Thanks again to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser for producing.